Greetings, and thank you for checking out this message from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. Now here is the message from Pastor Ben Johnson. All right, would you stand with me? Right, we're going to do our, our creed here. I am a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father forgives me. The Father wants me. I am His, and He is mine. Therefore, my past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me. Because in His presence is where I live. Amen. Have a seat. All right. Um, just a quick, uh, very just snapshot. Um, we're working on, um, our family is working on getting um, a, a newsletter update um, here in the near future. I have more details on kind of where we're at in our, our season. Um, but, um, and I can't remember what the last thing I've kind of shared publicly. Um, we, we sold our house. We're over here in the parsonage. And, um, and, and things are going well. Uh, we have a lot of things still to do. Um, fundraising, we're, we have just, um, a, a, according to what has already started coming in and what has been pledged, that what is, what's like a defined quantity, um, we're at about 51%. So, um, so praise God for that. Um, so, and that's 51% of our, kind of our monthly support. So um, we uh, we'd, would ask that you would continue praying for us in this season. So, all right. Can you imagine three years without rain? Of a drought of epic proportions. Could you imagine that? Where, where you, you've been praying desperately for rain, for breakthrough. Praying, praying that rain would come. And then, and then one day, on the horizon out there, you see a cloud. You see two clouds. And, and, and as they come closer, you realize that they are laden with the answer to your prayer. Finally, the drought is coming to an end. What would you do? In that moment, what would you do? Take a shower in the rain? Cry? Celebrate? Throw a party? What if you were a farmer? What would you do? You'd celebrate, yeah. But you'd like... It's time to get going. It's time to get moving. We, we've likely, potentially been doing nothing in terms of planting and harvesting, um, or maybe a limited quantities, as much as maybe you could irrigate yourself. But, but it's like, man, it's, it's time to get going. Breakthrough has come. It's time to get moving. It's time to get all the gear ready to go. It's time to get the animals harnessed up. It's time to get out in the fields And that, friends, is where we jump into the story of Elisha. In 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 19. Now, the chapter before, it's just a, 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 a small, mildly exciting story of where Elijah takes on all the prophets of Baal on the showdown on Mount Carmel. And it was pretty epic, 
right? And it was whose God could make it rain? Whose God would answer the prayers to end the drought? And, you know, I'm sure we all know the answer to that question that that nothing happened when, when the prophets of Baal were doing all what they were doing, but when Elijah offered his sacrifice and cried out to God, that fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and ultimately it did begin to rain. So now, jump into verse 19 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings. It says, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, at, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please, let me kiss my, my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Go back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, slaughtered them with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow. He cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Elisha, whose name means God is, is my salvation, he was being faithful to the calling at hand. He was being faithful to the calling at hand. We, we don't see him sitting in a hammock, laying in a hammock with his bags packed, le- looking for the next opportunity. Now, truth be told, maybe that was him prior to the rain, right? It wasn't, there wasn't maybe a lot happening, as much going on. Now, there, there's certain things that we, we don't know about Elisha, but we can read into the story to... It's very plausible that his family had money. It's very, very likely that his family was wealthy. Because here we see all hands on deck. Twelve pairs of oxen in a field with, with not only the equipment, but the manpower. That's a lot of money. So we see that here he was, he was faithful to the task at hand. He wasn't, he wasn't shopping his resume around. We can assume he was established, he had means, he had influence, and he was secure. And then here comes Elijah, who I can only imagine, name means probably Jehovah is sneaky. It's a joke, you can laugh. I like to time myself. Um, I'm not checking a text. <clears throat> so here comes Elijah and gives him an invitation that derails everything. An invitation to leave behind what was and step into a new level. A new level of calling, a new level of trust, a new level of dependency, and a new level of faith. So my first point today, before we get to the invitation itself, but the first point is focus on the current season. 
focus on the current season. We see Elisha focused on the season at hand. We see that he could be trusted and that he had developed the skills necessary to drive a team of oxen. He was not sitting under a tree daydreaming. He was growing in his character and his competency. Now, we all of us, as followers of Jesus, we all need to be pursuing growth in character and the competency of, what, of who Jesus Christ is. Of, of not only how he did ministry, but the heartbeat behind the ministry. Not just knowing how to do the work, but knowing the reason why and living the reason why of of having that same character of Christ. Now, now today in our, our culture, it's easy to see people that, that they, man, they're, they're skilled. They have high capacity. They're, they can motivate people. You know, they're, they're charismatic. You know, they're, 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 they're high capacity. You know, and, and, and we see them get promoted and elevated to, to levels of, of, of leadership in the church or, or beyond. But uh, unfortunately, reality is that there wasn't enough character developed with that competency. And, 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 and we, we've seen it so many times, right, where the foundation kind of arose away and, and, and is exposed that there just isn't enough character there. And they, they crash, We need both character and competency, not just skills, but the ability, the understanding, and the, the authenticity, authenticity to, to live it and walk it and own it. You know, we look at the story of Joseph, where in the midst of being a servant, a slave in Potiphar's house, he was growing in character and competency. He wasn't just skilled with the leadership and the management, but when he was tested morally, he made the right choice. Then we see him in, in prison, and, and he's, he's yet again, he could have been sulking, licking his wounds. But he was growing again in character and competency. And so that when the invitation came for him to become the, the second in charge of the whole nation, of Egypt. He had what it took. He had what it takes. Not just the skills, but the character to back it up. Now, I, I want to start from that position of, of focusing on the, the current season at hand, because sometimes people are too focused on, on some future distant supposed season, and they're not focused in the present. Jim Elliott said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Live to the hilt. Live all in. No reserves. Full send. When we moved back from our Honduras uh, back in 2019, our desire was to focus on the season at hand. Our, not to, to live with, you know, like, well, we don't know how long we're going to be here, so we'll just kind of loosely settle down for a, a short period, and then we'll, we'll, we'll launch out, you know, within a year. 
And that wasn't our desire. That was not our goal. And, and so we, we wanted to go deep in, in pursuing opportunities for growth, pursuing relationships, deepening relationships. We bought, we bought a home. If friends, if, 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 if we were thinking that this was just a short-term season, we wouldn't have bought a house. You know, so we, we bought a home and we, we fully tried to connect with our neighborhood and we were trying, and I feel like in many ways we succeeded in, in being fully present, fully engaged in the current season at hand. Now there is a catch-22 to this, isn't there? Because the more you are present, the more you are engaged, the more you are invested in the current season, man, it's harder to leave. It's harder to, to transition. And so you're just like, well, I mean, I'll just keep everything super shallow. And then that's the way when it's time to leave, you know, it's easy. And I, I'd say that's, that's kind of foolish as well. And, and, and missing the opportunity for growth, for relationship, for fruit. You know, like, was it you know, Shakespeare and, you know, is it, is it better to loved and lost than to never loved before? Well, I'm going to choose investing myself and, and loving well and, and being focused on the current season and, as opposed to just like being only half committed to any season. So here we are, our family, and it's like, man, there's a, there was a lot, there, I mean, we loved our house, we loved our neighbors, we loved our community, we loved opportunities, we loved what things were going on, we loved this church, we loved things going on, and, and, and things, seeing, things starting to, to build, and, 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 it's like, and it's like the rains had, had started to come, and there's excitement, and now, Jehovah Sneaky, an invitation comes. My question to you, are you living intentionally? Focused on the season at hand. Are you living as Jim Elliot says, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Live all in, full send. Are you pursuing opportunities to grow in character and competency in this current season? All right. I want, to, I want to establish that first point before you start looking beyond the season that's at hand. Second point, burn the plow, kill the cow. I wish I could take credit for that. I definitely stole it from somebody else. But burn the plow, kill the cow. An oxen, okay. All right. Oxen doesn't go as well with plow. So Elijah had laid this mantle, which is a piece of clothing, not something above your fireplace, had laid this mantle upon Elisha. Now culturally, we need to frame this, right? And, and some of us may already know this, but, but culturally what he was saying is like, come and follow me. I will mentor you to take over the ministry and the calling that I, I have done. When I leave this earth, you will take my place. Now, this is, this is not just simply like a handing over of a, of a, of a business or, or some, some ministry responsibility. Like, no, he, he, Elijah was the prophet 
for the nation. He, he was the one either providing counsel or providing rebuke direct to the kings of the nation. He was the primary default voice to the people from God. And he, he walks by this guy, Elisha, and it was like literally like a drive-by mantling going on, right? Because he walks by, throws the mantle on him, and keeps on walking. He said, come follow me. Because Elisha had to run and catch up to him. Elijah was not trying to persuade him. He was not negotiating the terms of the contract. This, is, this was not a discussion. He's like, come and follow me. I'll raise you up. Become the next prophet to the nation, the counselor to the king, the messenger to the whole nation on behalf of God. Now, we can, we can see similarities, can't we, to, to Jesus and how he, he invited disciples to come and follow him, right? It's like going to the fishermen, going to the tax collector, like, come and follow me. Leave your nets. Come and follow me. You were fishing for fish. Now you become fishers of men, right? It's like, come and follow me. Leave that behind. Come and follow me. So what is Elisha do? He, he says, yes, I, I, I will. I will follow you. And he asked permission. Could, can I, transition, can I can tra- transition well? Can I go and, 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 and hug and kiss my mom and dad goodbye? Elijah grants it. And so he doesn't just go back to get the hug and the kiss from mom and dad. But he goes to, you know, Bessie in Bermuda or whatever his oxen's name or who knows. I don't know. And he said, you've been good to me. Now enjoy the pasture. Now, he kills him. Some translations would say he sacrificed him. And then he takes the, 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 the very thing that probably felt so natural in his hands, the plow. He busted it up. And the yoke, he busted it up and he burnt the cow, the oxens, two of them, upon the very pieces of equipment that he was just using. Why would he do that? Why is this significant? Aside from the fact that they were worth a lot of money, and they were, what else? The oxen and the plow represented more, were more significant. They represented his old way of life. It was a source of identity. It was a source of pride. It was a source of provision. So in this action, it was a demonstration that I am willing to lay down my life. I am willing to forego my plans, to lay aside any sense of supposed security that these animals and these tools provided for me. Because I am trusting God. Because I am, I am stepping into a new level of trusting Him for it all. Now why, why did He have to burn it? 
Why couldn't have just like passed it on to like a younger brother or sold them or just laid them aside? Elisha was stepping into a new level of trust, a new level of calling, a new level of submission. And by burning, by burning the plow and killing the oxen, he was saying there is no plan B, there's no safety net, and there's no turning back. Our family, um, we really like uh, the group for King Country. Um, you know, the kids are playing the music in the house, watching you know the the, the videos and, and all that. Um, it's just just some fun music and um, and right now this the song that that we reference in, in, in this season of life that we reference frequently um, to try to help us frame this is the song "Burn the Ships." Now, "Burn the Ships." Um, it's a historical reference to when Hernan Cortes landed on the coast of the New World. And, and um, the legend says that Cortes ordered the burning of the ships to eliminate the retreat. Now, as cool as that sounds, it's actually false. Because in reality, what he did is he, he ran the ships aground and then they, they tore off everything that was useful. But that just doesn't sound as epic as burn the ships, does it, though? I mean, I mean, come on. Burn the ships. I mean, that, that's, that's something to write a, you know, a song about. So, but Cortez, it, it is actually known. Cortez wrote this down. He said that we are all in... There's no turning back, and that they had nothing to rely on apart from their own hands and the assurance that they would conquer and win the land or die in the attempt. Although historically inaccurate, the idea of them burning the ships, metaphorically it still works very well. So our family, we've been, we've been figuratively burning ships. Now the biggest one so far that we've, we've had to set ablaze was, was our home. Now we, man, we love that house so much. And we've been married for over 13 years. And, and that was the, the first place that was ours. And we, it was already a great house and we made it better. We loved the neighborhood. We loved it close to the park, the schools. Like, it was, it was just perfect. It was idealistic. And, and, and when it came time, when the invitation came for us to go back to Honduras, there was a brief debate. Well, what do we do with the house? It wasn't a long debate. It was a brief debate. Well, we have a couple options. We suppose we could rent it. Some pros and cons there. We're already doing rental properties, so it's not like it's a totally strange animal. We could, okay. The, the, the list of the reasons why to sell it was, for selling it was longer. And one of the reasons on that list was for the mere thought that when we get to Honduras and it's hot and it's hard and we're missing our church and our family, 
and there's friction and there's tension and things aren't going well. If our house was still sitting there on Elm Street, how enticing would that be? How much easier would it be? See, you know, well, oh, maybe we should just take a break. Maybe we should come back. Maybe, maybe, maybe we just need to reassess the situation. How much easier would it be for us to return back to Morris and back to Elm Street and settle into a place that is, has memories, that's, that's idealistic? How much easier would it be So that was one of the reasons. Not the only one. That was one of the reasons we chose to burn the ship. And we're, we're choosing to step into a new level of trust in God, a new level of calling, a new level of submission that there's no... Plan B, there's, there's no safety net. There's no just keeping our options open. Now, and friends, please hear me. I'm not trying to make this about my family because every one of us has, has burned ships. If, if Jesus is Lord of your life, and I'm, I'm hoping that is the case, saying yes to Jesus, that was an invitation, and in that moment, that was a, a, a burnt ship because behold, you are a new creation. The new has come, the old has passed. Right? And, if, and, and this is not about comparing apples to apples or anything here. You know, it's like, because for one person's small ship might be someone else's big ship, and, 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 and we all have stories of times that we have had to say yes to something that was uncomfortable, things that we didn't want to do, but it was having to say yes to an invitation to step into a new level of trust, a new level of calling, a new level of dependency. Every time you cross a threshold of, or letting go of something in order to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, that is a ship. For, for some of you, it might be letting go of dreams or plans. Maybe it's that, that, that one thing that you just love so much, a car or a house, or maybe it's a hobby. I don't know what it was, but you know, God's like, I, need, I want you to sell that, or I want you to gift that, I want you to pass that. And you're like, I don't want to. He's like, it wasn't a question. And in that moment of obedience to that thing, it was a ship that you set ablaze. Maybe it's surrendering your wants in order to make room for missional opportunities in your neighborhood or your teens or your life. Maybe it's letting go of a safety net. Maybe it's, it's, it's stopping the, the rationalization of a sin that you know if you adjust and, and honor Jesus in how you're living your life, that it will cost you financially.
Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's intimacy. Maybe it's simply trusting God in a new way, in a greater way. And friends, God has more in store for all of us. There are more ships that at some point in the right season, God's going to ask us to burn them. But if that ship stays afloat, it can be too tempting to revert back to old habits, old offenses, old plans, old status quo. Now, friends, I am not saying that, that ships are a heaven or hell issue. Now, the first one would be the point where you say yes to Jesus and you say, I'm, I'm going to surrender my life to you and, and you're going to become Lord of my life, that first ship, that is a heaven or hell issue. But most of the ones after that, if not all of the ones after that, they're not necessarily a heaven or hell issue. But continuing to live with these ships in our lives is being content with living a neutered Christianity. Now, if, if I was out in a village um, and I actually called up or I was WhatsApping um, Dennis um, last night, I just wanted to like, make sure. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the right word. And he's like, yeah, it's the right word. I'm like, cool. Um, in the village, they would say acapado. And I'm not, well, I can imagine why they do this, but they always say acapado with this motion. So they would say acapado. And, and so, um, so my friend Olsman, he has a bull that is acapado. And he would describe that now his bull is being manso or tame. Now, a bull that is acapado is easier to control, and it's largely content just to be in its pen, be in its pasture, eating and getting fat. What else is there to do? Now, a bull that is not acapado is not tame. It is not content to stay, just stay in a pasture forever getting fat. In fact, if a bull gets a whiff of a pheromone six miles away, there's nothing going to stop that bull. Nothing going to stop that bull. Now, I can't remember when it was. My, my brother-in-law, BJ, he has cattle. And was this before we got married? Do you remember? I think it might have been so before we got married, so a while back, over 13 years ago. Um, his bull got a whiff 
of a pheromone. And as he gently opened up the gates and gently made his way across the highway, he might have caused an accident. And I asked BJ, BJ, is this a problem? I mean, like, are you going to get in trouble? He's like, it's a bull. Like, no. Like, insurance company is actually considered an act of God. Because you're not going to stop a bull from getting where he wants to go. I'm like, huh. All right. So Elisha could have returned to the plow. He could have continued on with his plans. But he would have missed an opportunity of stepping into a new level of trusting God. He could have been content with the status quo and just stay in that field. But instead, he chose to be courageous. He chose to burn the plow and the cow. He chose to escape that which would hold him back. And as a result, he saw many acts of God. See that? Acts of God happen in his life and ministry. All right, friends. So here we are today. Here we are today, and we need to ask ourselves, is there anything holding us back? Now, is there anything we need to burn? Now, last night, the thought occurred to me, Ben Johnson, what has happened? Have you gotten old? Did you forget your, your legacy? Did you forget some of the things that you're known for? And I told Kalita, Kalita, I missed an opportunity. We're talking about fire. But, good news, FedEx delivers overnight. (laughs) So I happened to find, thanks, Sean, for the FedEx. There you are. Yeah, hi, Sean. I found this nice kit. It's the ship burning kit. That's what it says. Let's see what we got here. I think I know how to use that. And it looks like um, it says ship burning fuel right there. Right on the label. There's no instructions or warnings, so we should be good to go. So. And he might even be streaming right now. Hi, Rich. (laughs) 
So I need to ask that question again. Is there anything holding you back? Is there anything you need to let go? Is there anything you need to burn? Are there any ships you just need to set on fire? Hi, boys. Is there something holding back? The directors are asking themselves, we do have fire insurance, right? Well, I mean, we were want getting new carpet at some point, right, Steve? We need to ask ourselves, have we become manso? Just content to be nice. Just content to be penned in getting fat. Or are we willing to treat the Great Commission as more than just a suggestion and as a command that we would be focused, motivated, excited, and passionate about not only reaching those who don't yet know Jesus, not only reaching them, but also encouraging those that already know Jesus to burn their ships, to stop living manso and tame, to stop living acapado. No turning back, no plan B, all in, full send. And, af- and if, and if we do say yes, I believe we will see acts of God more and more to the point that it will become the norm. Are you okay with that? And I ask also, Lord, that you would help our noses, our spiritual noses, be as sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to your leading as the nose of those bulls are. Now, Elisha. He was focused on the season at hand. He was intentional to develop character and competency. He was ready for when that invitation came. And he said, yes, I will follow you. He said, I will follow you. And then he made a big show of it, didn't he? 
There was nothing subtle about killing two oxen and, and, you know, burning them, slaughtering them. There's nothing subtle about that. That's a big statement. But you know, at the end of the day, he still had to follow through with it, didn't he? He actually had to follow. You know, sometimes we see this in the sports world. Come to an end of a season, quarterback, say, tears rolling down his face. It's time to move on. It's time to retire. It's time to turn a new, new page in my life. Move on. This has been a, a good season. It was all, it was, my life was all about football, and now I'm going to retire. I've learned just to wait and see. Because sometimes those quarterbacks are saying the same thing a year later. Because they returned to play football for just one more year. Now, obviously it's in the news that Tom Brady retired for the, at least the second time that I'm aware of. And, um, and so the little bit I saw, he didn't make a big show out of it. Why? Because he made kind of a big show of it the first time. So I, bringing that up, it's easy to say, yes, I'm going to follow you. And it's not even that big of a deal. I mean, it's, it can be hard. It can be painful to make a big show of it, especially if you're selling a house or killing cows and burning equipment. I mean, yeah, that would be financially painful. But at the end of the day, he still had to follow. He still had to follow through. He still had to walk away. And what does it say? The last verse of, of 19 Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. We can't just say, I'll follow. We can't just make a big show out of it. We actually have to follow through. I'll close with um, just a passage here, and I've got some questions for you. Philippians 3 verse 8 what is more I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ jump down to 13 brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I've got three questions for you. First one, what got your attention? And don't just say fire. <laughs> Boys, I'm asking you, what got your attention? Love you. What got your attention? I mean, men, men. What got your attention? Second question. 
What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Last question. What are you going to burn? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife.aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.